Amen. If, um, if everyone can be seated, and while you're being seated, I have some more announcements. Right after church, over to my left, in, in the big room, we're going to be, or anyway, in that room right over to my left, for those of you who need prayer, we're going to pray for the sick today. We're going to believe God for miracles. Because we believe that God still heals, that just as he healed in the Bible, he heals today. So, and we've already seen people healed from all kinds of sicknesses. Or if you need inner healing, you need, you need God to do something in you or break an addiction. So we'll be praying for you right after church in that room. Also, my wife Norma will be in the back of the church because they're having a trip to the women's ministry, are sponsoring for the whole church, a trip to Sight and Sound in Pennsylvania to see the play. Um, Moses. Okay, thank you. So there are still seats available on the bus, and that's right in the back, right after church. Okay, so I'm going to get started so we could quiet, hear that buzz. We're going to quiet that buzz back there. And I, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about angels. I see some people showing me pictures where they say there's angels appearing in the background. I want to tell you a story about someone. He was walking down the street. A safe fell out of a window almost hit him, and this angel came, picked him up, and moved him. Then he kept on walking, and somebody was going to attack him and hit him in the head, and all of a sudden the angel came and fought the guy off. Then he stepped in the street, almost got hit by a car, and the angel came the last minute and saved him. And the angel went to the man. He says, I'm, the, I'm your guardian angel that's been assigned to protect you. And the angel said to him, maybe you have some questions for me. The man said, I just have one question. The angel said, what is it? The man said, where were you on my wedding day? <laughs> so that, that's it about angels. Everything you need to know about angels right there in that story. So I'm going to continue today in Pastor George's sermon from last week entitled, We Are One. And last week, Pastor George read from the book of Romans, chapter 12, about the body of Christ. Well, I'm going to read what's called a parallel passage. There's a fancy word for you. A parallel passage means another, a different scripture in the Bible, but it speaks about the same thing. So for those of you who are new to the Lord, the Bible is one big book, but in that big book, there are many little books called the book of Romans, the book of Acts, the book of John. And in each book, there are chapters, chapter one, just like in any book, chapter one, chapter two. And then within each chapter are what's called verses. Verses is you'll see the small numbers, and you'll see maybe one or two sentences after that. So we have books, chapter, and verses. And I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 12. 
It says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit to us form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the same, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So the Bible's saying it's one part, but made up of many. And it says we all drink from one Holy Spirit. Everybody take a drink right now. We all drink of the Spirit. We get filled up by the Holy Spirit. He fills our emptiness. Anything in you that you feel is missing, the Holy Spirit will fill up that empty place. And it says, because we're all baptized by one Spirit, we're all one body in unity. And it says, Jews, Gentiles, slaves, or free, Men or women, no one is excluded. See, that God created the church to have diversity. Nobody is considered more important because of ethnic backgrounds. Somebody has more money, more education. It, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that it puts you at a higher plane than anyone else. Not in here, not in the body of Christ. See, there's a difference between the church and the world. The church looks up to somebody because they have a lot of money or, be, or because they have a title. But in the body of Christ, everybody is equal before God. See, back in those days, rich people were given a place of honor in the church. So if the Bible says some rich people would come in, they would set out all their own food, eat their own food, not even share it, even if somebody was hungry next to them. In the book of James, it says rich people were coming in, and they were telling them, you come here, you take the best seat in the front, and a homeless guy is say, you sit on the floor. It, back, back in those days, men... Were considered to have the rights. Women were considered nobody. Women were considered property. Slaves were considered subhuman. Different ethnic groups were considered over and above other ethnic groups. See, and the Bible does something radical for its time. It says in Galatians 3:8, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. See, God, Jesus doesn't see a white church, a black church, a Spanish church. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. You are valuable to God. Your value does not depend on how much money you have. God, God rebuked that early church. He said... You take those poor people and you put them in the place of honor because God has given special honor to the poor. In fact, Jesus said, if you go to a poor person and you give them food, it's just as though that you're feeding me. We don't have hierarchy. There is no elitism in the body of Christ. 
It doesn't matter what country you came from, what family you're from. None of that matters because you are part of a body and you have been given honor. I, see, it didn't take me that long today. Usually it takes me at least a half hour before I drop. See, and that was radical thinking back then. Back then, a, a woman couldn't minister. A woman didn't even go to school. And Jesus said that in him there is no male or female. There is total equality before God. No matter who you are, God honors you. He accepts you. He embraces you. His arms are wide open. If you just came out of prison, the Bible says, come as you are. And you are accepted. There's nobody better than you. I'm, I'm going to continue verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. What, what is it saying? That the day of the one-man show is over. The superstar mentality does not belong in the church. What God is looking for is diversity. It says everybody plays a part and everybody is unique. It's saying not everybody is, can be one part of the body. So, for example, the mouth would represent those who sing, those who teach or preach. The eyes maybe would be the ushers who stand in the back and look over the church. The hands would be those who serve, those who do the work. So, some people in the church are the belly button. They sit around and collect dust. But it's never been God's design or desire that the whole church would revolve around one or two people. Every single one of you have been anointed. There's creativity in you. There's nothing more boring in the world than to go to church and all the focus is just on the few. God is calling for the dancers, the artisans, the creative people. Whatever God has placed in you, he wants to use that. He wants to bring it out because it's a tapestry. God takes all the pieces, puts it all together as one. Whatever gift you have, we, we want to use it here. Again, in verse 18, it says, 
God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You know what that means? Those of you who are youth workers, it's not an accident. Maybe you think, oh, I just raised my hand one day. If you work with the youth, it's because God has uniquely placed you there. If you work with the kids, whatever it is that you do, God is going to give you a, a passion for it. it it's, it's not an accident. It's not a coincidence, the place that you serve, because God takes each person and he uniquely puts you into the church, into a function, into a role that is uniquely you. It's not all about, well, I got to try to fit in. I don't fit in here. I don't fit in there. You were not created to fit in. God made you unique. You, you've got talents and gifts maybe that we've never seen before. We want to express it. We, we, we want to use whatever you've got in you. And, and may, see, before, anytime someone would come to me and say, I want, I want to serve God, I used to always try to fit people in, in somewhere into the church. But I started to realize that some of you are called to go to Hollywood and transform the movie industry. Some of you are called to redefine what rap is. Some of you are called to go and design better fashions than anyone else. Whatever God has placed in you, whatever the passion, whatever burns in you, it's because God has a purpose for your life. In Acts 17, 26, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the set times for them and the exact places where they should live. You know what that means? You're not living here in New York or this area just by accident. You're not here just because you don't have the money yet to move to Florida or Puerto Rico. God has placed you here for a purpose. God is about to do something in the Bronx. God's about to move, and every one of you can be a part of it. It, it says God uniquely made you be born in this particular time. Why? Because there's something for you to impact. He wants you to grow his kingdom. There's people for you to touch. There's lives waiting to be transformed. You were, you were in God's mind even before he created the earth he had you in his mind, and he already knew where he was going to place you. He unique, if you're a member of this church, and what we're doing now is all part of the membership. What that means is that God strategically for this season, for however long he has you here, has placed you in this body because there's destiny on you. There's greatness in you. We, we don't want to neglect it. We don't want to neglect the calling of God. Sometimes people ask me, well, how do I know what God wants me to do? Because he'll give you that desire. He'll give you a passion. 
There's something that burns in you, something that you really desire, and God is going to use it for his glory. Verse 21, again, Romans chapter 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and all the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division, that its parts should have equal concern. See, there was a problem in the church. There were people who thought they were entitled to more honor and, and glory than anyone else. They thought that having a title, being out in the front, somehow made them on another level. See, down here is all the ordinary church people, and up here we got the bishops and the pastors. And Paul was addressing that, and he said that those people who are hidden, those people that you don't see, are just as valuable, are deserving as just as much honor as the pastors and the bishops and the apostles and the prophets. The, the, the people who clean the church, maybe you don't know who cleans the church. But you could have the best preaching and singing in the world, and if people walk in the door and they see garbage laying around, they're going to walk right back out. Those who shovel the snow, those who cook for the events, the person who opens the door and turns on the lights, those who secretly intercede and pray for you, pray over the church, those who give, those who sow of their finances. We don't, we don't know a, a lot of times, me personally, I don't even know who does a lot of these things. Some of you, you do it in secret. You give in secret. But you are just as valuable. There is no such a thing that a title desire puts me on another higher level than, than the person that sweeps. In fact, what did Jesus say? That the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Those people that we consider of being way up here will be surprised when we get to heaven. Some of them are going to be way down here and, and those who are just faithful. Every week, showing up to the, to the children's church, loving those kids, every week coming to the youth, just being with those youth, loving them, persevering with them. See, that, that's what God has called us to. I, I've been to too many meetings, too many services where they invite a lot of pastors, and you know what happens? There's such a big deal about who's going to sit in the front, who's going to sit on the platform. I thank God we don't, we don't play that here. Yeah. 
and, and every now and then, because I like to stand in the back, some big shot with a suit and a big Bible walks in, they come up to me, where should I sit? Expecting I'm going to escort them right up here. And I say, you sit anywhere you want. Yes, we should honor the pastors. We honor leaders. But not any more than we honor those who pray night after night, interceding for the church. Not any more than we, than we honor those who throw out the garbage. That's what it's saying here. The hidden people. The people you don't see are just as worthy before God as those who stand out here in the front. And do you know what happens? Any time that a soul is one to Christ, any time in the church that a life is changed, every one of you has a part in it. That, that's what a body is. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body and each one of you is a part of it. So you know what that means? If you heard that someone else in the church is hurting, they just lost their job, your response shouldn't be, well, thank God it wasn't me. If someone is blessed, somebody just got a promotion, somebody got inheritance, your response shouldn't be, well, how come it wasn't me? I deserve it more. I, I've been more faithful. Your response should be, well, if God could do it for them, he can do it for me too. We rejoice when other people rejoice. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that very often in churches. In fact, I, I heard a quote yesterday from T.D. Jakes, and I, I don't watch too many preachers on TV, but here's one I love to watch. And he said, anytime someone else's significance is diminished by your presence, they become a secret enemy. You know what he's saying? He's talking about church, that many times, if someone else starts to get, come into your arena, and maybe they get more attention. That people think somehow it diminishes them. Somehow it makes you less because I came into your Sunday school class and now I'm get, people are saying, oh, look at that new teacher. And now you begin to feel less. That is not how this thing works. Somebody's success doesn't diminish you. It challenges you to, to press on. So we've been um, going through the Gospels, and we started out in the, in the book of Luke. And I'm just going to go back there for a second. In, in Luke, of course, I, I forgot to write down the chapter, but I'm not too good with the computer. I was good when I used to do it by hand, Pastor George. I put every, since I got this cut and paste, who invented that anyway? I, I think that anyway, the internet is just a fad, right? 
It's going to go, and then I can go back to my pen and paper. But this is a story about Jesus. And see, one day Jesus was preaching in a house. They didn't have big church buildings like they did today. And people didn't just go around the circuit. Well, now I go to this big church. Now I'm going to preach in that big church. Jesus went anywhere that he called them to go. He didn't care about how much money would be in the offering. He didn't see people as stepping stones to get to the next level. He, he saw people as precious, valuable. And he was preaching in this house, and it was packed out. You couldn't even get through the doors. And it says some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't get in the door. They made a hole in the roof and lowered this man down so that Jesus could pray. And it says... When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Verse 25, Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. See, last week, Pastor George was speaking about, I am a member of you. Here's what it looks like. Here's a perfect scripture. Here was this man. He could do nothing. He was totally paralyzed. He had no faith. And here's, I'm a member of you in action. These men saw he had no faith, that he was helpless. They were not willing to leave him there, even though he had nothing to offer them. He, he couldn't walk. He could do nothing. He wasn't going to get them a promotion. He wasn't, he wasn't going to invite them over to, and cook for them. He had nothing to offer. But I am a member of you, which Pastor George preached last week, means I, I'm going to do it because I'm part of you. And these men, they came and they literally picked him up and they climbed to the roof, made a hole, brought him down to Jesus when he had no faith, when he couldn't, he couldn't walk. It seemed like the end. But if you're part of something, if you're part of the body, remember I said, when one hurts, then we all hurt. And you pick them up and you carry them. And the guy had no faith for healing. But these men, they had faith. And they brought him to Jesus. And based not on the man's faith, but on the faith of those who carried him, Jesus said, rise up and be healed. That's love. In John 13, 34, John said, a new command I give to you, love one another. This is what Jesus said. As I love you, so you must love each other. And guess what? Love is not just this feeling. We got it all wrong. Loving a person doesn't mean that you got some emotion. You know, sometimes I watch Dr. Phil, one of the great theologians of our time. And every now and then, he'll have an abusive husband on there, somebody who's violent and brutal. 
And, the, and every time they'll ask the wife, well, why didn't, you, why didn't you leave him? Deep down inside, he, I know he really loves me. Well, can I tell you that that love is worthless? Love has to have action. Love has to have feet to it. In James chapter 1, you know, it tells us what love is. That sometimes love involves commitment. If I love you, I'm committed to you, to the difficulties, to the hardship. I'm not just, see, we always throw the word around here, family. We're the family. You know what that means, family? It means you're committed to each other. Not just, not, just, not just, oh, I get a warm feeling when I see you on Sunday. It means when you're hurting, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to pray with you. Sometimes love involves sacrifice. See, for all you player haters out there, hate the game, not the player. We need to love. Jesus said, accept one another. And it says in James chapter 1, it says, if a brother or sister in church or, or from another church, we're all one. It's not this church and that church. God, God doesn't see that. Every church is in one in God's eyes. It's one body. And, and it says that if a brother or sister is naked and destitute and doesn't have food, and you say to them, oh, go home in peace, I hope you're warm and, and you, have, you have a good weekend and, and, and you could do something to help them. It says, what does it profit you? That love is worthless. It says, faith, this is, this is going to this is, this is mess somebody's theology up here. It says, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Works is not a bad word. It's not grace or works. If you have love, you show that love to me by how you express it. Well, twice in one day, that's a wreck. No, I think three times would be the wreck. Three. I'm working on it. I show my faith by what I do. I show my love by how I treat people. Not because somewhere I, I got warm fuzzies inside. I, I want to read one, one more scripture. Galatians 6 verse 1. It's, it says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him. I'm going to skip to verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So it just said right there, carry each other's burdens, right? You got that? Keep that in your head, and I'm going to go to verse 5 and confuse you. Right? You like coming to church to get confused, right? So it says, carry what? Each, each other's burdens. Verse 5 for every man shall bear his own burden. 
That doesn't make sense. One scripture says you bear each other's burdens. The other one says each one carry your own burden. Well, we have a, um, a demonstration. I'm going to ask Tamika to come, wherever she is back there. We're going back to the baggage again. So Tamika's coming. And I'm just going to ask you if you could just bring that black bag over. What happened? It's heavy? Yeah. Well, what happens if I help you carry it? It's lighter. It's lighter, right? Okay, we'll put it here. And what about that one? That one's easy. You don't need help? Thank you. That's the end of the demonstration. Wasn't that thrilling? <laughs> Everybody give a good hand to Tamika. Often imitated, but never duplicated. Right there, Tamika. Why did I just do that? We have here the one bag. It's too heavy for one person to carry. And that's why the Bible says, carry each other's burdens. See, there's times in life where things come against me and I can't do it by myself. It doesn't matter I'm a pastor. I know the word. I've been preaching the word. But I can't do it on my own. There's times I need, I need help. I, I got a burden, and I can't carry it, and it's up to the body of Christ to come along and say, I'm going to help you. I'm going I'm to pick up the other side. So that's what it means when it says carry each other's burdens. But then it says each one should carry their own burden. See, this is one I can carry by myself, and you know what that means? It means that... There are boundaries in love. And you know what the boundary is? I'm not going to do things that you're responsible for because I'm going to end up hurting you in the long run. Maybe if you're a parent and your 30-year-old and son is in the basement playing video games all day, maybe that's not love. Because you're taking that light load and you're actually hurting them. Sometimes in the church, we're, we're so full of compassion that we keep giving and giving to people, and those people never learn how to, how to believe God for themselves. Sometimes love has to be tough. Sometimes you gotta, love is leaving somebody locked up in jail even though you got the money to get them out. And they keep saying, oh, but you call yourself a Christian? What kind of Christian are you? You could help me. Sometimes love is tough. Sometimes people got to hit rock bottom and I just let them. I said it once before, but, but sometimes people will come to me. They're out carrying on, clubbing. I'm not talking about people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about people who have been with Jesus. And they say, can you pray God to bless me? I say, pray God, to pray God to bless you. I pray that God makes you miserable every time, every time you walk into that place. I pray you hit rock bottom. I'm not carrying that bag for you. I 
Again, if there's something I can't bear, then praise God when there's people going to come and help me get to the next step. But I, you're doing me a disservice when you do things for me that I could do for myself. This is not including my wife. I, I've been getting away with that for years, but don't tell nobody. So I, that, that's not included. I opened my big mouth. Now wait till I get home. Go get the dish for yourself now. But, Anyway, all these years, it's been a heck of a run, Bert, so if I mess it up now. See, but sometimes that's just as much love to say no to someone. No, I'm not going to help you pay your bills. You need to learn how to work. So in teaching about love and giving, it's important also to give you those boundaries so that you can become the responsible person that God called you to be. And don't give in to that manipulation. Oh, well, that's what Christians do. They're supposed to help. Not always. You've got to be led by the Spirit. See, the Bible says bear with each other, forgive each other, encourage each other, build up each other. But unfortunately, that hasn't always happened in the church. Maybe your church experience has not been anything what I've been describing. Maybe your church experience has been elitism. People trying to make you feel like they're better than you. Maybe you've been judged, gossiped about, intimidated, manipulated, abused, overlooked. Maybe you've been left out or rejected. I'm not talking about out in the world. I'm talking about maybe in church. And, and I know that we've done this before. Well, we're going to do it again. We're going to deal with that right now. We, we want to deal with that hurt. I, I know so many in the body of Christ have gone to church and been wounded so much. I know because so many of them I meet out there. Most of the homeless people that I meet used to go to church. Most of the people I meet out in the street, the tough guys, the drug dealers, they know the word just as well as I do. They, and so many of them have been judged and driven out of church. Pastor George was so excited this week because he, from his message last week, I'm a member of you. And somebody put a post on Facebook that they're hurting, that they're going through a hard time, and so many people put post it back. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to be with you. Well, maybe that hasn't always been your experience. And we want to pray healing over you right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to, to take a bold step. You don't have to come up here. You don't have to say anything. But if that's you, if you've been one of the people, your experience has been you've been hurt, gossiped against, left out, wounded, ridiculed, shamed even from the altar, 
abused. I'm just going to ask you to stand with me because that's my testimony. Any, anyone else that you want to stand up and say, that, that's me, I, I, I've been hurt. Well, whether you're standing or not, because I know that there's many more here, because I know your testimony. Many more, I know your story. And maybe it wasn't in church. Maybe it was a Christian parent, a Christian co-worker who kept making you feel like nothing. And I'm going to ask Pastor George if you can come and help me right now. I'm, I'm going to do what I did two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I, I repented on behalf of, of fathers that, that have abandoned you, that have hurt you and wounded you. Well, today, we want to stand in today for, for church members, for pastors, for leaders that have hurt you. We, we want to repent to you right now. So as a pastor, I want to say right now, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for hurting you with my words, for belittling you, for making you feel like nobody. As a Christian, I just want to stand here and say I'm sorry if I've ever made you feel like you were less than or judged you or kept you from God. Because I, I made you feel like I had a better relationship with God or I was more special to God. If, if, if I've ever done that, I'm sorry. I, I want to I say I'm sorry today for gossiping against you, for talking about you, for saying, look at that one, look what she does, look what he did. For not accepting you when you fell, where the Bible says to restore a person. Instead, we rejected you. We threw you out. We we made you feel like, like a dirty sinner. As a pastor, I'm sorry if I've ever kept you from communion or kept you from the altar or kept you from ministry or kept you from being used by God because I, I told you God didn't, couldn't use you yet or because you weren't good enough yet or you weren't right enough yet. As a pastor, I, I'm sorry. And I want to say as a pastor, I'm sorry for overlooking you, that you had gifts that were never used, that you had a destiny that was seen as unimportant, that we only looked at, at our vision and not your vision. We never we overlooked the destiny that God had for you. I'm, I'm sorry for not taking you seriously, that when you came and said God spoke to you, I cut you off. As a pastor, I'm sorry if I've ever projected onto you what I thought you were thinking or what I thought you were saying and I treated you like others. I'm sorry if I didn't take the time to hear you and to have a relationship with you and to have communion with you. And I'm sorry as a pastor that when you, when you left the church, it made you feel like, like, 
like you were committing treason, that you were out of God's will, that you were, people stopped talking to you, stopped communicating with you. So this morning today, as a Christian, I say to you, I receive you. I love you. I stand with you. I agree with you. I encourage you. I'm a member of you. A, a few years ago, right, Pastor George? A few, this was about eight years ago, Pastor George preached a sermon called I Free You. Remember that sermon? And it totally changed my life. It changed my ministry. It changed the way that I preached. And even though it was a long time ago, I, I'm going to ask if you could just do the same thing you did eight years ago to just release that blessing. I'm going to ask anyone here, if you're saying, I'm ready to step into my destiny, I'm ready to go with God, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. That you know that you've got a gifting in you. You know that there's talents in you. What we want to do is all that other junk. Let's leave it here today. I know there's many others of you who didn't stand. Can we leave it today at the altar? All the hurts, the bitterness. You know what I did? This was right, right after I came to this church that somebody came in the door, I don't know if you remember, but somebody came in the door that looked like a leader that I was really abused by, and I turned around and I ran. That was the effect that that abuse had on me. And I've decided it's not going to steal one more day from me. I'm going on in Jesus, and I challenge every one of you today, every one of you who's been mocked, that you've been manipulated, controlled, bullied, intimidated. We're leaving it here today, and we're going on in freedom. So the same Amen. way Amen. that you touched my Amen. life eight years ago, Thank I'm going to ask you to release that Thank right you, now. Lord. Amen. Amen. Can we just, just raise your hands for a moment? I just want to free you this morning. I free you to step out in the calling that God has placed on your life. I free you to be involved in ministry. I free you to be used of God in your everyday life, not just here in church, but I free you to be a vessel that God flows through. I free you to receive re revelations from God. I free you to receive word from the scriptures. I, I free you to receive nourishment from the bread. I free you to receive understanding as you read his word. I free you to start new ministries. I free you to try and fail. I, I free you to get up and try again. I free you to make mistakes. I, I free you to try things that might not work. I free you to take a chance. I free you to be risk to take risks. I free you to, to live a naked Christianity. That means a Christianity that bears all. A Christianity that doesn't put up fronts or wear masks or, or hides or, or fits into certain patterns. I free you to break the mold. I free you to break the pattern. I free you to do ministry different than you've always seen it done. I free you to do leadership different. I free you to lead. I free you to, to, to have people follow as long as you follow Christ. Amen? 
So I free you to be who God has called you to be. And, and my prayer is that we would lay down our baggage. We're not going to talk about baggage anymore. We're done. I, I, my prayer is that you would lay down your baggage. Lay down those bags that you've been holding and keeping people up away from you with. Lay down your, take the burden that's light and you carry God's burden. You carry the burden that God has given you. It's light that thing on and you can run with it you 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 you're you're free you're free to move amen and the only other burden you carry is the one that you share with somebody when you see go ahead Gary grab that Gary when you see somebody else with a heavy load then that's the other baggage that we're going to carry amen because I'm a member of you you're a member of me amen let's rejoice come on hallelujah We're going to close in worship, and if anybody, if you need prayer for healing or to deal with any of the issues we talked about, we'll be off in that room, off to the side. But just in closing, as we close in worship, for those of you, you've been carrying those hurts. Maybe you've been like me. Sometimes it's almost like I never left the past. And I'm making a choice that I'm going to leave that burden right here. Just as we close in worship, if that's you, maybe you want to join me. I'm just going to come down here. I'm taking that burden and I'm throwing it down. Who else as we close? Just come up here. Take it. Just lay it down. Throw it down. Leave it at the altar. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there.
just want to do one more thing. See, very often in the church, those with creative gifts, the artists have been neglected. But I, I, we, want, we want to call you forth. I want to honor you today. I want to release those gifts. So if you know that you're a dancer, you're an artist, you're a designer, you're a musician, you're called to sing, I want, to, I want you to get bold and come up here. I want to pray for you. calling forth the artisans, the sculptors, the writers. There's room for you in this church. There's room for your gift in this place. Right now, I'm going to ask Alice. She's going to sing over you, and she's going to release that gifting. It's going to come to a new level right now. That's it. Stir it up. Stir up those gifts. Stir it up. Stir it up. Spirit of creativity! Spirit of creativity!
Whoever you uniquely are, we accept you in this church. You are welcome. You are free to use that gift, to step out. If any of you have an idea for something we don't do, come and see me after church. God created you for a purpose. There's destiny all over you. You are a world changer. I'm going to ask Bert just to close in prayer. And I'm going to ask that that creative spirit in you, that you're going to enclose and release it over the people of God, and you're never going to be the same. Something is going to break loose right now in your life. Lord, right now we pray a blessing over each life over each child, each mother, each wife, each father that's in this place. Right now, Father God, I just ask you to shed your grace. Let them find their place, speed up their pace so that they too can have a wonderful taste of what it is to be close to you, Lord God, to be so dear and near and understand that their vision is clear. Yes, you too are free. You heard them say it today. All you have to do is raise your hand and say, Lord, have your way. I want you to make a change in my life today. So when I open up my mouth, God, you give me the words to say. When someone's in need, I want to be there to help. And when I'm falling, God, I want to turn around and not be by myself. I want you by my side. I want to help my brother. I want to help my sister, my father, my brother, my son, my daughter, every single one. I want them to understand, God, that you are the sun, the sun that shines bright in my life. Lord God, I'm going to hold your hand on tight if that's all right. How many of you want to feel free today? Simply wave your hand and say, Lord God, have your way. How many of you want to feel free today? Raise your hand and say, Lord God, have your way. Come on now. Let that spirit move. It's up to you. All you have to do is choose. You decide. You either want to win or you want to lose. But right now, I'm telling you, it's true. God wants to set you free so that you can be just as happy as every single other person you see in ministry. <laughs> He's coming alive. Lord God, right now, we just pray a blessing upon these people that are gathered here, dear God. Releasing them, dear God, that spirit to serve, that spirit to work, dear God, that spirit to find their worth and their place in this place, dear God. Lord God, we just ask that you rise up new talents, dear God, new ministries, dear God, that we may discover where we belong in this picture of your body, Father God. We just ask that you can allow us to see how we can help this place dear god and help win souls for you dear lord reveal today dear god where we belong dear god reveal today what we should be doing for you father god lord we just thank you for allowing us to have this freedom dear lord we just thank you for allowing us to take this step of faith dear god and activate today what we should be doing for you dear lord we just pray a special blessing upon each person here, each creative talent, dear God. Those that are thinking about dance and music and singing and poetry and artwork and, and everything else, dear God. We just ask that you give them the words, you give them the designs, dear God. You give them everything they need, dear Lord, so that we may gain more souls for you, dear God. And we may worship you with our hearts and our minds, dear Father God. 
Hallelujah. Just say, it, it may get loud. The grave is empty now. It may get wild. His love is like no other. It may get loud. The grave is empty now. It may get wild.